the things I love about this specific service is uh, we have no real time constraints. So if the Holy Spirit's moving, like there's really no pressure to wrap it up. We can just let it flow. Um, and the Spirit's been great in this place. Let's pray right now. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we acknowledge that we are desperate for your presence. Uh, we invite you to fill this place and to fill our lives. Spirit, I pray that you would empower the words about to be spoken right now and open hearts and ears to hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys can grab a seat. All right, 1130. So, hey, um, my name is Kevin Weir. I'm one of the newest, newest members on Team Rock on staff here, fulfilling some of the executive pastor duties that Pastor Timmy's leaving as he heads down to work in Dominican with Go, as well as heading up and launching our South Strand campus. So listen, for our South Stranders, if you have not gone on the app and signed up and joined the interest group, be sure to do that so we can let you know what's coming up or come find me after service. I would love to meet you and say hi. We're launching in the fall, starting once a month and then full-time in January, so make sure you're staying aware of that. Ah. Listen, the first time I ever came to a, a rock service, like I knew that God was doing something really cool here, um, just special in this place. And I've known your lead pastor, Josh Finkley, for 20 years now. When I was starting off in Bible college, he was a really good friend and mentor and just an even example of leadership. So we've stayed close over the years. And uh, when the door opened to come and be part of the rock family, um, I was excited to join that. So excited to be with this family. Josh is out of town this weekend, so I'm going to share with you guys. Uh, and listen, as we continue our tailgate talk today, we're going to talk about your work and my work and how ultimately and most importantly, it is all God's work. So that's where we're going. Uh, is there anybody in the room this morning that uh, you are right now working your very first job, right? Your current first job. Do you have any? None at the 1130? Oh, in the back, I see you raise your hand. I think you're joking, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> hey, well, listen, if you live long enough, like I have, um, you will probably work a few different jobs. In fact, statistically, not only will you change jobs a few different times in your life, you will change career paths uh, in this current context uh, a few times during your life. And uh, I want you to think right now of maybe your worst job experience, right? Maybe the worst job you ever had or just the worst job moment that you had. You got it in your head, something that was really awful? So listen, whenever I grew up, um, my dad owned a carpet business. So from when I was little, he owned this business. I would go help him some in the summers. Then as I got older, high school, college, I would lay carpet with him. And listen, laying carpet, um, it's like rolling dice when you go into people's houses. You just, you never know what you're going to get, right? Some are really nice, some are not so nice, some have a lot of furniture, some don't. Like, you just never know what you're walking into. And so I remember one of my worst experiences is we went to this lady's house, this sweet elderly lady, um, but she had two dogs that were older than she was. Um, and they got into really bad shape where, um, where one had like ulcers and it would just throw up. And, and at some point, um, she just gave up on trying to take them outside to go to the bathroom and let him go outside and throw up. So she just pretty much left them to do business and to throw up in the house, right? And um, 
So this went on for, I don't know how long it went on until they both went to doggy heaven, because all dogs go to heaven. So they went to heaven. Um, and so her plan to, to clean up the really nasty house she had was to just replace the carpet, which was a good idea on her part. Um, it just really sucked for me that I had to be the guy to help go in and take it up. And so literally, when we get to her house, knock on the door, and the door opens, and oh, I'm telling you, the, the smell was so, so strong, it's like literally getting punched in the face. And uh, man, I, I can do gross stuff. Like, I can touch gross things. I can look at gross things. Smells. I can't do smells, man. Smells, will, I will do the vomit reflex, right, where I'm going, mm. and so like I'm about to vomit on the vomit is how terrible it was. So, so we go in, and of course, um, it's just nasty everywhere. And of course, it gets in the carpet and then in the pad. And, and whenever you start to try to pull it up, um, you just stir it up everywhere. So now it's all in the air. And so I felt like, you know, the guys on Monsters, Inc. in the hazmat suits, that's what I wanted. I'm like, where are our hazmat suits? This has got to be toxic. Um, and so literally, um, we would I, would, I started, like, as we started pulling it up, and it's getting so gross, I would go outside, just get as big a breath as I could, hold it in, then run in. Grab a strip of carpet, roll it up, throw it on the shoulder. Let <laughs> it out right. Get another breath, go back in, do the same thing over until we got it cleaned out. So it's just like, get in, get done, get out. Right? Get back in, get it done, get out. Until we finally got it, you know, completely done, and then we had to hold the carpet off, which was a whole other mess sitting in the middle of that, that gross stuff. And I remember I got home that night, um, burned my clothing completely, and then shower for like a week straight, just praying, please God, don't let me grow a tail or get a third eye, right? Because I don't know how toxic it was, it was funky. But listen, this is how oftentimes um, people think about their work, right? Get in, get done, get out. Just get in, get it over with, get out. This is oftentimes how we think about our job. It's the thing that we don't really want to do, but we have to do so that then we can go and do the things that we do want to do. Right, any of you in here remember um, the old Dolly Parton song, 9 to 5? <laughs> Anyone? I know I'm dating myself right now. This is how old I am. Um, but I remember 9 to 5, working 9 to 5, trying to make a living, um, barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving. Like, that's how you feel. Um, there's the stuff that has to happen so that we can then get to the things that we really want to do more of or that really matter in life. And, and, and here's what I'm aware of. I know for sure that maybe your job stinks, right? Like that could totally be the case. And, and I'm aware of that. Like maybe you have a boss that you work for. He took a personality profile, you know, like Myers-Briggs, ENFP, all the different letters. His came back, J-E-R-K. That's your boss. And that's who you have to put up with and answer to and work for every day. Maybe you're in food service and you constantly have to serve food to people who are high maintenance and really entitled and stingy, which is a terrible combination, right? They're, they're needy and they don't give you anything. So I've done that job. And so I get your job may stink, um, which is also, by the way, why they pay you. Like that's often how you know that your job stinks. No one pays you to play golf and to lay on the beach and eat ice cream because you will do that for free, right? Most people tend to get paid because they wouldn't do the work otherwise. <laughs> That's what we call a hobby. 
So maybe your goal is you would work your way out of your current role into a better role, a better job, or, you know, that you could pursue your dream of going and starting your own company, your own business, your own thing, maybe grow your side hustle so it becomes the thing you can do and, you know, just, just work the things you love to do. Maybe do the thing you love to do so well and so much that others would pay you to do that thing, to which I say, yes and amen, get after that. I hope that works out for you. But I think the danger and the problem for many of us becomes that sometimes we see work itself as the problem. So, right, like if there were just no work, then life would be good. If I could just relax and chill and play all the time, then I would be really happy and life would be fun and enjoyable. And so what I want us to see and what I want you to take away from our tailgate talk today is that you and I, we are created for work. Now listen, work is a gift from God. That doesn't mean you always like the specific work you're currently doing. It doesn't mean it's always fun, but it is a gift and it is a godly thing. And listen, how? How you work should and can glorify God. It impacts your heart and your attitude and it can set you up for the new or for the next. So listen to what Solomon says. Proverbs, we'll start in Chapter 16, verse 3. There, Solomon tells us, commit. Fucker just lost us. All right. Commit your actions to the Lord and what? Your plans will succeed. Which I would say, how many of you? Um, you would love to see your plans uh, in 2022 for the rest of the year, 2023, and then beyond succeed. All right? If you're like, yes, I would like that. Um, then you should commit your work to the Lord, right? You should invite the Lord into your work day because statistically, you will spend about one-third of your life sleeping, right? Any of my nap people? Who likes naps? Yes, me too. Um, a third of it, you will be asleep. Another third of your life will be spent in your occupation, doing your job, doing your work, average, doing your job, and then the last third will be spent doing whatever else that is, uh, eating, vacationing, hobbying, yard work, whatever else it is you do. So if you want to get God into your life in a significant and an important way, you should invite him to your work life. Commit your work to the Lord and see if that doesn't change and how he doesn't bless that for you. Because work isn't just about making money. It's also about making a difference, right? So many people trying to figure out meaning and purpose and direction, and that's all great. But I'm just saying, if you would invite God into your work life, see how he moves in you and blesses you through that because work works. A couple other things in the way of setup, and then I'll give you a few points that you can write down. Uh, but think about this as well. You and I are created to work as a reflection of God. So we're just doing what we see our heavenly dad doing, okay? So watch this. If you go to Genesis chapter 2, here's what we're told in verse 2. On the seventh day, God had finished all his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work, all right? So God works. And then the picture is, then he gives you and I the gift of work as part of being made in his image and in his likeness. And here's what I think many of us do, and I've done this, is if you, sometimes we picture maybe back to Adam and Eve, if you ever think about this. 
Adam and Eve in the garden at beginning of creation. So Adam and Eve, they're, they're in the garden of Eden, which sounds like paradise, right? So we're like, well, they're just living the island life, right? It's like this fancy tropical resort where there was no jobs and no tasks and no responsibilities, right? They're just like sitting on the beach with Snoop Dogg and Andy Samberg, right? Snoop D-O-double-G. Um, if you try to do any work on your phone, Snoop snatches it up and throws it in the ice bucket. That's off limits. So no expectations, no responsibilities, just chilling. And listen, that was, that's fine. You should do that some, but that's not the picture, right, in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, in fact, we see God works, makes all of creation, makes the garden, puts the stuff in the garden, and then places Adam and Eve in the garden to take care of it and work it, right? They've got some stuff to do. He even gives them a job description. We see this back in Genesis 1 in verse 28. Here's what God will tell Adam and Eve they are to do. It says, be fruitful and multiply. And every guy in the room is like, I vote yes. Reporting for duty, sir, where do I sign up? <laughs> Which you recognize that's not just about intimacy and making babies. Um, that's also about expanding your influence. You should be fruitful that way. But then he tells us this, fill the earth and what? Govern it. Uh, that word is also subdue it, which just means you, just, you care for it and you steward it well. You cultivate that which God has entrusted to you. So they're given a job description. And here's what's interesting. Right before they kind of get this job description, we're told we're made in God's image. So I find this interesting that we're told we're made like God in the image of God, and then the first expression of that is God giving a job description. Okay, so work is a gift from God, and uh, you should commit your work to the Lord. I like the way that the message translates, Proverbs 16:11. Here's how the message puts it. God cares about honesty in the workplace. And then he says this, your business is his business. You're like, uh-oh, <laughs> right? Have you thought about that? Whatever your business is, that is also God's business. So listen, you're not just a construction worker. You are a construction worker for the king. Um, you're not just doctor, dentist, nurse, first responder. You are a frontline worker for the great physician. And you're not just a waiter and you're not just a waitress. You are an ambassador on mission to bring light and to bring hope into a dark and a messy world. Right? I heard one guy say it this way, that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you should raise the temperature of every room you walk into, right? I love this picture. You should elevate the atmosphere because of the joy that you have from Christ and the joy that you bring. So your job might stink. You may not be able to change the circumstances currently, but in your heart and in your mind and in your perspective, right, you can bring God with you to work every single day, right? Like every day is bring God to work day. Just bringing God again, right? Everything, everything, everything takes on new meaning when you do it unto the Lord. So let's take a look and see what Solomon says back in chapter 6, and then I'm going to give you some points. But let me read a few verses, then I'll give you notes. Here's what we read, verse 6. Take a lesson from the ants. You should highlight that. We'll talk about that in a minute. You lazy bones, 
learn from their ways and become wise, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Okay, so, so first thing, before we get to notes, that I want you to notice is that we're going to learn from the ants, okay? This is the analogy God gives us through Solomon. He says, take a lesson from the ants. Which, listen, have you ever paid attention to ants or just watched them? Like, they're unstoppable workers, right? Um, they just can't be deterred from their work. And have you ever had an ant problem in your house? So our family lived in Dallas for several years, and it's like Texas was built on an anthill, right? We just always had ants getting in the house. Um, and they're impossible to get rid of. And, and like, if you try to like ever track their little trail, like you can't find it because it goes in the wall and then comes out. It goes on forever. Um, have you ever kicked an ant den? <laughs> right? Josh told me the other night that you guys have fire ants here. So, you know, maybe you don't kick it. Maybe you get your golf club and swat it. But if you ever do, um, they're unfaced, right? You can just like, you stupid ants. Um, they'll scurry for a few minutes and then they're just right back to their thing. Whenever I was little, we would take firecrackers. You guys ever do this? Get like the M60s, stick them in the ant hole, wait for the ants to crawl all over and then light them up, which I'm sure is not cool to do, but we were little, so we did. And then poof, little ants flying everywhere. Again, um, they just jump right back in and go to work. Like you think at some point, at least one of the ants would look at his little ant buddies and go like, that's it, man. Like I'm done. No more work. He's standing right there. Like he's just, he's just going to do it again. As soon as we start to build, poof, blow us all up again. Ha ha. Nope. Right? Like forget that. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> but no ants do that. They just jump right back in and go to work. So if you're taking notes, point number one, wake up, right? Write that down. Just uh, we learn from them, wake up. He says, how long will you sleep, lazy bones? So question, uh, how many of you in the room, you would say you are morning people? Where are my morning people? You like early mornings. So, I mean, you're at the 11.30. I don't figure there's a lot of you. <laughs> Sunrises, right? Coffee. You like to get up early. You do your best thinking when things are fresh and you're off going early. Okay, um, praise God for you. That's totally my wife. Um, God bless her soul. <laughs> I love it. How many of you would say you're more of my night people? Where do I have night owls? Let's go. All right. Um, you really get your energy, creative juices flowing as the day wears on. It gets into the evening where the morning people are falling asleep around 8. Then you're just really getting fired up and all kinds of ideas, right? Love you guys. I would say I'm not so much of an early morning person, not really much of a late night person. I'm just kind of strong right in the middle. That's what I really like, middle of the day. But here's what I do know. Uh, Regardless of what your rhythm is, and we all have different rhythms, right? We all have different times, maybe different schedules, different hours. Like, I, I get the, uh, the time we're in. Maybe you work in, you know, like the hotel business industry. Uh, maybe you're a firefighter, so you do weekends or 410. So I get everyone's schedule's different, and everyone's could be random. I think the big E on the eye chart here and the big idea is do not 
let the snooze button win, right? Whatever your rhythm is and whatever your work schedule is, you know, get up and maximize it. Make the most of every moment because they said, you know, the winter is coming. And again, you don't see a lot of ants, which is idle time just standing around. Um, you should get good rest and then get up ready to go. And, and I would encourage you, get up a few minutes early, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and spend some time with God so that you could invite him into your workplace, right? Start off and say, I'm going to commit today my work to the Lord so that you're not just awake physically, but that you would also be awake spiritually, right? Alive and awake to all that God would do in you and all that God would do through you. And let, let me say this. Um, I know my first time sharing with the Rock family, but um, I'm just, I'm a transparent guy, so I hope this is a safe place. As a guy that has gone through burnout and even dealt with some depression, like I understand that, that half the population wrestles with and fights mental health issues from panic attacks, stress, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. And one of, the, um, one of the most important things I would say that you can do in that season, battling depression, battling these things, and maybe one of the most difficult things that you could do is, is to just get up and go get a win, right? Sometimes to just set the alarm, wake up and go out there and accomplish something. Find some work and do it. It can be life-giving in a season that's hard like that. Uh, you know, we see in the Bible, Elijah. So the prophet Elijah, he's got this really incredible moment where he has this victory over all these prophets of Baal. Um, God gives this to him. Then the next day, the queen threatens him, and he just spirals. And he goes to a really, really dark place, and he isolates, and he goes and he gets alone. Um, and he's even fatal thinking, right? He's like, God, just take my life. No point in going on. And so God sends the angel, and it's a really tender moment where he says, hey, first, take a nap, right? Just get some sleep. Again, all my nap people, it's biblical. So get a nap. And then he tells him, get up, get some food, get something to drink, because we've got work to do, right? You're not alone. You're not the only one, and we still have some things to go to. So even for me, in this season, I'm walking through some of this, take sabbatical, for the first few days, like I did, I just sleep in, rest some, but then I even immediately, because I had some time down, just start setting an alarm clock. And again, I don't love mornings, but I'm setting the alarm clock at six and I'm up and I'm in the gym working out just to make sure I'm doing some work and getting stuff done, because it's good for the soul and it's what we're created for and it will help you in those moments. So first thing, wake up. Second thing, if you're taking notes, that is this, work hard, right? Just work hard. Have you ever, 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 seen ants not moving. Anyone? Have you ever seen an ant not? Just like standing off to the side of the line, watching all the other little ants go, sipping on his coffee, taking a smoke break. You guys just get it. I'll be back in five. <laughs> You've never seen it. Why? Because ants are always on the go. Just go, 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 right? Always doing something. Not waiting for things to happen. Not waiting for the money to show up. They're just out there figuring it out. They're like, oh, what is this here? What do we got? Do we got a scrap? Do we got a crumb? Is that a piece of sugar? All right, I'll take that. I'll do something with it. And then pff, off they go, right? And then somehow they let all their little ant buddies know that they're going so they can join the party too. We read back in verse 8, they labor hard all summer long, gathering food for the winter. 
So, so they work hard. And again, I, I understand this, and I hope you do. Proverbs are principles, right? They're not promises. They are principles. So, so the ants could work really, really hard and still get smashed or blown up by a firecracker and poof, game over, okay? You could work really, really hard and not succeed in life. But the principle, right, the practice is that if you do give yourself to working hard at what you do, you are likely going to succeed and you're going to be prepared for whatever comes along or whatever comes next. There's a book by a guy named Brad Lominick called H3 Leaders, and he talks about the three H's that make for great leaders. Uh, the first is hungry, right? You just have a passion or a hunger for something, whether, whether that is, you know, to get the degree, to start the company, to elevate in the company. Maybe it's to find a spouse. We can take it whatever angle, but you have a hunger, then you're humble, right? Um, read all kinds of great leadership resources. The most effective leaders are also the most humble leaders. So you're hungry, you're humble, and then hustle. You just get out there and hustle and work hard at whatever it is you do. I'm just telling you, you put that combination together, virtually unstoppable. Hungry, humble, hustle. So work hard, it says this. He told us they don't have a prince or a governor, or a ruler. So, so no boss hooking over their shoulder, breathing down their neck, waiting to bust them, man, write them up, call them into the office. Now, listen, they could have a boss, and it wouldn't matter, because they're self-starters, they're self-motivated, they just initiate, just jump in wherever, gather what they can, when they can. Why? Because we're told the winter is coming. And listen, if you have lived long enough, you know for sure life goes through seasons. Hello? If the last couple years have taught us anything, it goes through seasons. There's summer, there's winter, you have spring, things coming to life. Winter, things dying. And maybe right now, maybe some of you, you're, you're in the winter season of life and things are just hard. Okay, listen, um, I pray for you and summer's coming. Spring, summer, new life, it'll come. Maybe some of you, you're in a spring, summer season. Things are good, things are taking off, it's going well. Okay, I pray for you. And uh, I encourage you, uh, work hard and store up some things because the winter will also come. So work hard. Then listen to what he tells us in Proverbs 13, verse 4. Lazy people, they want much, but what do they get? Little. The NIV says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. But no joke, right? That's like the dude that wants something to eat, but he's too lazy to make a sandwich. So like his, his uh, eyes are big and his stomach is empty. So lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. So I know some of you in the room, uh, maybe many of us, we don't have it all figured out, okay? You know, um, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do over with my life? What if I choose wrong? What if I try this thing and, and it doesn't, whatever? Okay, okay, maybe, right? Those things are possible, but I'm just saying, if you will just show up wherever you are currently at and, and work hard, be an H3 type leader, uh, it is likely you are going to advance and you're going to have new or the next opportunity. So listen, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but rarely can you make both. Listen to what he says, then in um, chapter 22, verse 13, he tells us there, the lazy person claims there's a lion out there, right? If I go outside, I might be killed. Okay, so the Bible's funny, y'all, right? You realize that? Um, 
Because do you know people like this? Just like Chicken Little, the sky's always falling. Or Eeyore, just poor me. Uh, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. There's always something dangerous, always something that could go wrong. Right, I can't do this, can't do that, can't try for this thing. If I apply for this job, it might go bad. Or it might go awesome. Or it might be the springboard that catapults you to the next thing that God has for you as soon as you show up and work hard and give yourself to the thing that's in front of you. So wake up, work hard, and then number three, if you're taking notes. Here's the thing I really want you to see and take away. Point number three, realize this. Your work is worship, right? The work that you do, whatever that is, it's an act of worship. So God worked, right, works, creates us in his image to work. We read this in, Sol- or in Proverbs from Solomon. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything. Your work falls under everything. He's made everything for his own purposes. Then we started in verse 3, in chapter 16, when we kicked off today. Commit whatever you do to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. So, so here's what I think. I think oftentimes we make this mistake where we tend to think in terms of and distinguish between sacred and secular, right? We try to put these two, we make two different categories of what is sacred and what is secular. So we often think, okay, sacred, well, those are the things that happen to and that are related to church or to Sunday morning. We come in here to worship and sing, take communion, watch a baptism, We serve in children's ministry or serve in the parking lot. Maybe you host a Bible study in the week or go on a mission trip. Sacred, that's the God stuff. And then secular, okay, well, that's that's everything else. So job, hobby, education, sports, you name it. That's everything else. It's, It's the not spiritual stuff that God's not really interested in. But listen, Alan. The problem with that mentality is you just won't find that distinction anywhere in the Bible. Like, everything is under God's domain. Colossians 3 tells us that whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 10, uh, whether you eat or sleep or drink, whatever, whatever it is you do, do it for God. So that all of our work can be, should be done to the glory of God as this really selfless, sacrificial, beautiful, beautiful act of worship. Because for sure, God cares about the church, right? And not just his people, but church gathering. And and he loves it. He loves when you come to church. So congratulations, you're here this morning. God also loves you. And he loves to be part of what you do. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday night. He wants to be part of that. I I would say that if you're a teacher, you know, coach, engineer, construction worker, doctor, lawyer, what you do is every bit as significant for the kingdom as what I do. In fact, I would say in some ways more important and more significant because the likelihood of you interacting with people that don't know Jesus are, are greater than mine. So you should use time talent, treasure, to bring him glory. Listen to what Dorothy Sayers says. She puts it this way. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined 
to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. So don't act like an idiot in your off time and check the attendance box on Sunday morning. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. She goes on to say this, no crooked table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever came out of the carpenter's shop at Nazareth. Nor if they did, could anyone believe they were made by the same hand that made the heaven and the earth. Right? So your work and everything, everything that you do can be an act of worship. And it totally matters because, listen, it elevates your witness. Right? It helps to raise the temperature in the room because of what you bring and the way that you do it. Close with this. So there's a guy named Brother Lawrence. Maybe you've heard of Brother Lawrence. So Brother Lawrence is a guy that lived in France in the 1600s. And he did odds and ends throughout his life, was in the military for a season. But then later in life, he served in a monastery. Okay, and so in the monastery, um, all he did was clean dishes and fix shoes. Okay, that's it. That brother is just cleaning pots and pans, and he's repairing sandals. Okay, but, but even that work, he did to the glory of God. And he became known for this thing, he's got books on this, called Practice the Presence. So, so meaning, he just imagined everything he did as if Jesus were right there with him. So it's like, all right, if Jesus were hanging out with me today, how would I clean the pots and pans? Right? Would he whistle while he works like Snow White? I don't know. How would he fix shoes if Jesus is hanging out? So just everything as if Jesus were here. How would I do it? How would I respond? How would I work? What would that look like? And um, he had such peace. And he had such great joy about fixing shoes that people were drawn to him. Can you imagine this? People from all over the place would travel just to be near him and meet him and have a conversation because of the kind of character this guy had. He was like this magnet for Christ because his work was worship. And he had this unnatural, or, or should I say this supernatural, but amazing joy about him. So, so your job matters. That's what I want you to hear today. Your job matters. If you're in food service, you should serve to the glory of God. If you are in food delivery, Uber Eats, you should deliver your food to the person to the glory of God. If you're a teacher, you should teach to the glory of God. If you're a coach, coach to the glory of God. If you're a doctor, engineer, construction worker, if you're an artist, musician, you should create and write to the glory of God. Everything in the universe is created to the glory of God so that our work and everything we do throughout the week should be for his glory. And I get it. I'll finish. Your job may stink, and it may be really, really hard some days to see or to feel or to find God in your workplace. But God is in you. And you are there. So as long as you are there, God has a light to shine through. 
and you have an opportunity to worship him. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to wake up, to work hard, and to worship while we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can stand. We're going to sing one more song. Hey, church, uh, if you would like to take communion, there are elements on both sides. If you are new here, we would love to meet you. If you would like prayer, we would love to pray for you. Just head out the back doors to your right to the connect corner. We would love to do that. Thank you for being an awesome church. I love you guys. Let's worship.